Welcome to this reading of the Business Record for September 28th. I'm Pat Steele. All material heard on IRIS is intended for the use of listeners with print disabilities. And here's our first story. And our top story in the business record this week is the best of 2023. As the business record does each year, they ask their readers to cast votes for what Des Moines has to offer. In a variety of business-related categories, these businesses make up an ecosystem in our region that supports a strong and vibrant community. Here's how it worked. Uh, People voted, business record checked the data, removed any suspicious or erroneous votes, and then tallied results in all 66 categories. All Greater Des Moines businesses, people, and organizations were eligible to win categories. In other words, there was no cost to be listed as an option due to the survey being open-ended. You can't pay to win a category. This year, they followed up with the winners and asked them to tell us their thoughts about the business ecosystem in Greater Des Moines. Business Record wanted people to know their advice for recruiting top talent and the opportunities they see for businesses in the metro. And the Business Record also wanted to know what people thought about the future holds in varying industries. The following is a list of the winners, and uh, it's an opportunity to read a selection of perspective from the winners who responded to the questions. And Business Record hopes you enjoy reading this article, and we'll get to the winners here now. First category was the best CEO, and the winner was Dan Huston of Principal Financial Group. Runner-up were Don Cawthon of Bankers Trust and David Stark of Unity Point Health. Best Metro Business Leader, again, Dan Huston of Principal, runner-up Don Coffin of Bankers Trust, and Jay Byers of Simpson College. Best Business Supporting Local Charity, the winner was Principal Financial Group, runner-up was MCMIC, and the runner-up to that was also Hy-V. Best Up-and-Coming Business Leader, Tanner Krauss, formerly of Come and Go. Uh, runners-up, Tiffany Toshek of the Greater Des Moines Partnership, and Adam Caduce of R&R Realty. Best City Government Conductive to Doing Business, the winner was West Des Moines. Our runners-up were Des Moines and Ankeny. Best Nonprofit, the winner was the Animal Rescue League of Iowa. Runners-up were Every Step and Child Care. The Best Commercial Real Estate Company was NAI Iowa Realty Commercial. Runner-up was CBRE and also R&R Realty. The best commercial real estate agent for an individual, the winner was Adam Caduce of R&R Realty Group, runners-up Kevin Crowley and Bill Wright. Uh, Kevin is with NAI Iowa Realty and Bill Wright is with CBRE. Best residential real estate company, the winner was Iowa Realty, the runner-up was Remax and Keller Williams. Best residential real estate agent for individual, uh, Rick Wanamaker of Iowa Realty, Runners-up in that category, Sarah Hopkins of Remax and Julie Baldler of Caldwell Banker. The best real estate property management company, the winner, Hubble Realty. Runners-up, R&R Realty and Ryan Koss. Best architectural firm was Shive Hattery. Runner-up was RDG Planning and Design and SVPA. Best engineering firm, winner was Shive Hattery, runners-up Baker Group, and Bolton and, Mer- and Bolton and Merck, I'm sorry. Best general contractor, the winner was the White's Company, runner-up Ryan Cause and Newman Brothers. Best development company, winner was Ryan Cause, runners-up Hubbard Realty and Cumberly uh, Development. Continuing, best electrical contractor, the winner was Baker Group, runner-up Baker Electric, and runner-up 
uh, also Tri-City Electric. Best Home Builder, Kimberly Development, and two runners-up in that category, Hubble Homes and KRM Development. The Best Mechanical Contractor, winner was the Baker Group, runners-up Waldinger and A.J. Allen. Best Commercial Lender, Bankers Trust was a winner, runners-up Midwest Heritage Bank and West Bank. The Best Executive Search Firm, that went to the Palmer Group. The runner-up were Robert Half and Midwest Search Group. Best Temporary Employment Service, Palmer Group, again, the winner there, Robert Half and Hired Des Moines were the runners-up in that category. Best Training and Development Company, winner was Terrell International. The runner-ups were ATW Training Solutions and Sarah Noel Wilson. Best Health Insurance Company, Walmart, Blue Cross, and Blue Shield. Runners-up, Health Partners, Unity Point Health, and United Health Care. Best Life Insurance Company, Midwest Heritage Insurance Services, runners-up, Principal, and EMC. Best Property Casualty Insurance Company, EMC, the winner there, Midwest Heritage, and Nationwide were the runners-up. Best Places to Buy Office Furniture, the winner was Pigot, and runner-up was Workspace Incorporated. Best Security Company, the winner, Baker Group, the runner-up, Permar Security, and ADT. Uh, Best Manufacturing Company, John Deere, Des Moines Works, runners-up Craig Tool and AccuMold. Best Bank, winner was Bankers Trust, runner-up West Bank and Midwest Heritage Bank. The Best Credit Union was Viridian, followed up by uh, runners-up, I should say, Green State and Community Choice Credit Union. The Best Commercial Printer, the winner was Beeline and Blue, runner-up Universal Printing and Christian Edwards. The Best Computer Consulting Company, RSM US LLP, was the winner, runners-up QCI and Grand Consulting. The Best Local Internet Service Provider, Mediacom, was the winner there, runners-up Metronet and CenturyLink. The Best Web Designer, the winner, WebSpec Design, runners-up Blue Compass and Leslie Finn, Flynn, I should say. The Best Company to Work For, the winner, Baker Group. Runners-up are RSM, US, LLP, and NCMIC. The best company for promoting diversity in the workplace. The winner was RSM, US, LLP. Runners-up, Unity Point, and Hy-V. Best wealth management company with the winner was Forced, uh, I'm sorry, Foster Group. And runners-up with Carrero and Vivid Tax and Wealth Advisors. The best auto dealership, the winner was Willis Automotive, the runner-up Bob Brown Chevrolet, and Carl Chevrolet. The best accounting firm, RSM US LLP, the runner-up MHCS and ID Bailey. The best law firm, uh, Denton's Davis Brown, runners-up Brown Winnick and Brick Gentry. The best advertising agency, the winner was Flynn Wright. The runners-up were WebSpec Design and LS2 Group. The best public relations firm, the winner was LS2 Group. The runners-up, Wickstead and Company and Flynn Wright. The best social media company, the winner there was WebSpec Design. Runners-up, Lessing Flynn and Trilix. The best video production company, the winner was Locust Motion, the runner-up Trilex and Invictus Media. The best MBA program, Master's in Business Administration. The winner, Iowa State University, runners-up University of Iowa, Tippie College of Business, 
in the Drake University College of Business and Public Administration. The best place to hold a business conference, the winner was the Iowa Event Center, runners-up Prairie Meadows in West 48. Best bar to entertain clients, the winner was Big Grove, the runners-up Hello Marjorie in Ricochet. The best caterer, Hy-Vee, runners-up Sid's Catering and Tangerine Foods Company. The best restaurant for conducting business, the winner was Centro. Our runners-up was Fresco and Biagi's. The best coffee shop for conducting business, the winner was Smoky Roll, runners-up Scenic Route Bakery and Starbucks. The best place to buy wine and spirits, Hy-Vee, runners-up Ingersoll Wine and Spirits and Central City Liquors. The best sporting events to entertain clients, the winner, the Iowa Cubs, runner-up, Iowa Wild, and the Iowa Wolves. The best new restaurant, winner was Cooper's Hawk, runner-up, Hometown, and Big Grove. The best happy hour, the winner there was Eatery A, uh, runners-up were Django and Big Grove. The best place for auto repairs, the winner was Willis Automotive, runners-up, Beckley's Automotive Services, and Drake garage. The best hospital, healthcare system. The winner was Iowa Methodist Medical Center. That's part of the Unity Point Health. Runners up were Mercy One and Blank Children's Hospital. The best florist, Bozen the Florist. Uh, Runner ups were Hy-Vee and Wild Flower. The best recycling waste company, Metro Waste Authority was the winner. Ankeny Sanitation and Waste Management Incorporated was the runner were the runners up. Best jewelry store, the winner was Joseph's. The runners up were Anglo and Christopher's Fine Jewelry. The best men's clothier, winner Mr. B, runner up Van Mauer, Von Mauer and Men's Warehouse. Best women's clothier, again uh, Van Mauer, the winner there, Talbots and Dillard's were the runners up. The best golf course, that went to Des Moines Golf and Country Club. The runners-up were Waveland Golf Course and Wakanda Club. The best exercise facility, the YMCA of Greater Des Moines. The winner there, runners-up were Lifetime and Power Life Yoga. Best cultural attraction, the winner was the Des Moines Arts Festival. The runners-up were Iowa State Fair and Papa John Sculpture Park. The best things to happen in Central Iowa in the past year, the winner was the NCAA Tournament, and the runner-up was the Icon Water Trails. And the best thing that will happen to Central Iowa in the upcoming year, the winner was the Icon Water Trails. Our runners-up were Top Golf and Pro Iowa Soccer. So that's the business records 2023 uh, winners in a number of categories throughout Central Iowa. Another stories in this week's business record, the Stuffed Olive, a martini bar and restaurant, is relocating to the CC, which is the downtown building uh, being de- redeveloped in an upscale entertainment destination. The Stuffed Olive is currently located at 208 3rd Street. The venue is expected to open in December in street-level space at the CC, and that's located at 216 Court Avenue. Brendan Kelly, the owner of the Stuffed Olive, said, We've outgrown our current space and regularly have to turn away customers. The move to the CC building will nearly triple our footprint and give us a much bigger kitchen and the ability to host private parties. The icing on the cake, though, is the outdoor patio space and all the opportunities it will offer us starting next spring, whether it be evening dining or participating in the popular downtown farmer's market. Work is now underway to transform the street-level space to include the intimate atmosphere the venue is known for, but to also include some modern touches 
Tony Rose, a local restaurant and bar contractor, is overseeing the remodeling project. The Iowa Hotel and Lodging Association recently announced its inaugural honorees for the group's statewide industry awards. Each honoree was selected by the association's board of directors and will be recognized at an awards luncheon on October 2nd. The honorees will also be featured in videos on the Iowa Hotel and Lodging Association's YouTube channel. And the 2023 award winners this year include Hotelers of the Year, Bupin and Sandhana Patel, they're with BKB Management in Johnston. The General Manager of the Year, Dwight Hopfoff of the Hotel Julian, that's in Dubuque. The Innovation Award, Raj Patel, Hawkeye Hotels in Coralville, and he's recognized for the property here in Des Moines, the Hotel Fort Des Moines. Sustainability Award goes to Mike Whalen on behalf of the Heart of America team, Des Moines, and that location there is the Hyatt Place in Altoona. The Philanthropic Award goes to Jessica Vanderpool of Kines, I'm sorry, Kinseth Hospitality in Council Bluffs. The Employee of the Year goes to Amelia Nickel. She's with the Hotel Grinnell Highlander Hotel, and that's both Grinnell Iowa City locations. Industry Champion, that goes to Faith Dorn, Iowa Hotel and Lodging Association in West Des Moines. And the Legislator of the Year goes to Representative Craig Johnson, uh, he's out of District 67 in Independence, Iowa. And we continue with more uh, uh, awards, and this one is from the Greater Des Moines Partnership. It's recognized companies and people have made significant contributions to the economic vitality of the Des Moines region. And the partnership announced its awards earlier this week, and this year's winners are Collins Aerospace. The company opened a $14 million expansion of its additive Manufacturing Center in July 2023. The 9,000-square-foot addition provides space for the site to house several new state-of-the-art 3D metal printers. The first printer installed has eight times the build volume of the facility's existing printers, significantly increasing the center's additive manufacturing capabilities. Other winners include um, Clove Value Company, they recently broke ground on a $75 million expansion project at its existing foundry in Oskaloosa. The project involves a 36,000-square-foot addition to the southwest side of the company's existing iron foundry. The expansion is being built to accommodate new manufacturing equipment that will enable Cloud to produce twice as much product with its existing workforce. DC Manufacturing, another winner, the family-owned company, makes automotive components and accessories with more than 1,000 employees spread across eight facilities. DZ is finalizing a 47,000-square-foot building at its Pleasant Hill campus to manufacture body structures for the first electric lightweight commercial vehicles for General Motors. And this expansion will create more, will create more than 50 skilled labor positions. Kavari, the Rosemont, Illinois-based company, has combined assets of $33 billion, including Guarantee Income Life Insurance Company in Des Moines. Cavera opened an office in the historic East Village in 2022, growing from four employees to 30 in a year. Other winners, uh, Worldwide Logistics. The company opened its new headquarters in Urbandale in 2023. The company outgrew its initial location to spread into three buildings, the new 76,000-square-foot headquarters combines the company's operations into one building. Global Business Award, 
goes to Kemen Industries. It opened its headquarters in Des Moines in 2017, a completion of a five-year, $125.5 million investment. Over the past three years, Kemen has added multiple uh, buildings to its Des Moines campus, including a wet pet food pilot lab. Kemen also completed an on-ground and rough-mounted solar array installation, which powers 100% of its 90,000-square-foot headquarters building. Deal of the year, Open Loop Health. Open Loop Health has grown from just five employees to more than 300, creating 50 jobs in Des Moines so far in 2023. The company recently held a ribbon-cutting ceremony to celebrate the opening of its new headquarters. Deal of the decade, that goes to Meta. Altoona Data Center, the first building of the center, became operational in late 2014. When it's completely built, it'll be the company's largest of its 21 data centers. That company has hired 1,300 skilled trade workers on-site at peak construction. It supports more than 400 operational jobs and operates on 100% renewable energy. It also added 225 megawatts of new renewable energy to the state and aided in $3.2 million in direct funding to local schools and nonprofits. John Kellen Excellence in Entrepreneurship Award presented by Jennings Kalen Advisors, Connectify HR, is the winner there. They were founded and owned by Iowans since 2021, created 17 jobs, generating more than $2.3 million in local payroll, more than 170 hours of volunteer time and helped more than 55 businesses earn more than $110 million in annual wages by simplifying the human resource needs, saving those companies both time and money. The DSM Newcomer Award, that goes to Big Grove Brewery and Taproom. The brewery's Big Grove for Good initiative has directed thousands of dollars back to the community for environmental and justice causes, including a nonprofit grant program that has provided $24,000 to three local nonprofits. The renovation of the brewery's portion of the former Crescent Chevrolet building was done in an environmentally friendly manner, installing bioswales, giving environmental co-benefits due to their ability to reduce stormwater runoff, installing LED lighting, and using energy-efficient equipment, and using sustainable materials and recycling. The CRE Partner of the Year is Justin Lossner, Senior Managing Director at JLL, and he was recognized for his involvement in some of the most economically impactful projects in the Metro. Along with his team, he has been involved in more than 1,200 transactions, totaling more than $1.64 billion in real estate volume. Lossner represented the buyer of West Glen Town Center in West Des Moines setting a record for the largest mixed-use sale in the market and assisted with a 20-year growth plan for Prairie Trail in Ankeny. Economic Development Partner of the Year goes to Beth Balzer, worked for the Iowa Economic Development Authority for three decades and became the business development team leader in 2003 until her retirement. She worked with Iowa's existing industry and some of the state's largest companies on expansion and retention projects, accounting for nearly $5 billion in new capital investment and creating more than 14,000 jobs. Bolzer worked with hundreds of companies of all sizes across the state, including the expansion of several John Deere facilities. And finally, the Economic Development Partner of the Year. That goes to Clyde Evans. He was involved in economic development in the region for nearly 49 years, much of it during his 32 years as Community and Economic Development Director for West Des Moines. 
He retired in July during his tenure with the city. It grew from 32,000 to more than 70,000 people. And the city issued building permits valued at over $6.5 billion, resulting in the construction of almost 23.2 million square feet of commercial office and industrial space. Now we read uh, David Elbert's column, uh, The Elbert Files, and uh, this time his column pertains to Des Moines International Airport, and he writes that the Polk County voters will decide the future of Des Moines International Airport on November 7th. Passage that day of a ballot issue for $350 million of airport bonds will secure funding for a new terminal that is expected to be the most expensive building ever constructed in Iowa. Plans for the terminal and related work have bounced around for nearly a decade with price tags ranging from more than $700 million to a current scaled-back estimate of $445 million. With that in mind, here is part one of a two-part history of the airport. July 1, 1925 was the day airmail arrived in Des Moines. The temperature hit 104 degrees and was still in the 90s at dusk when 40,000 to 50,000 people piled into vehicles and headed to a grassy field just outside the city limits on Vandalia Road east of 30th Street. At 9.50 p.m., the Des Moines Tribune reported, a single-engine plane from Chicago dropped out of a darkening sky and into the beams of giant searchlights before landing on the grass. Twenty minutes later, the two planes loaded with new mail were on their way to Omaha. Six years earlier, the Des Moines business community had been among the earliest in the nation to recognize the potential for flight, and the Chamber of Commerce had created a, quote, air committee. The city needed an airfield, but was legally barred from spending public money on an airport. The city could, however, acquire parkland beyond city limits, which it did with the help from the Chamber. Unfortunately, the first Des Moines Aviation Park was bottomland, prone to flooding. Soon, a better site was located near Altoona on land where Prairie Metals Racetrack and Casino is now located. Des Moines' second aviation park opened August 29, 1927, just three months after Charles Lindbergh made his historic solo flight across the Atlantic Ocean. In fact, Lindbergh flew his Spirit of St. Louis airplane to Des Moines for the dedication. The estimated 50,000 spectators on hand followed Lindbergh to the Hotel Fort Des Moines, creating what was described as the longest parade in Iowa history. Two years later, legislation was passed to license airport and pilots. At the urging of the Des Moines Chamber of Commerce, the new law also allowed cities to levy assessments and sell bonds for airports. City officials were already looking for a closer location. They considered 80 possible sites in 1931 before issuing $200,000 in bonds and buying a 160-acre farm at the intersection of Army Post Road and Fleur Drive. The site was just beyond the city limits, but was annexed in 1955. There wasn't much money at first, causing the airport's first director, Arthur Thompson, Thomas, I should say, Arthur Thomas, a draftsman in the city's engineering department, to get creative and borrow equipment and supplies from other city agencies. Airport records said Thomas collected nuts, bolts, and other items from family and friends, and used them to keep grading equipment and other machinery running. 
Roughly 250,000 yards of dirt were moved to create the first two runways. Two more runways were soon added. By 1940, the Des Moines Airport was rated as one of the four best in the nation. Idaho-based United Airlines provided the first passenger service in the early 1930s with a 10-passenger Boeing 247 airplane that carried airmail between New York and San Francisco. In 1940, a second carrier, which later became Braniff International Airways, provided service to Minneapolis, Omaha, and Bismarck, North Dakota. The earliest piece of the current terminal was built in 1948. Multiple expansions followed. In 1941, Chamber of Commerce Director John D. Adams persuaded the War Department to locate an Air National Guard base here, significantly expanding the size and profile of the Des Moines Airport. In 2014, the Des Moines Guard Base switched from flying jets to handling unmanned drones, opening up space that changed the proposed location of a new terminal and significantly reduced its cost. David Albert writes that he'll write more about how that happened, how airport plans evolved during the past decade, and what to expect in the future in Part 2. And again, David Albert is a columnist for the business record. Continuing with uh, other news uh, from the business record, Obesity Presents Significant Economic Challenges in Iowa, a new report shows. This is a story written by Kyle Heim of the business record. Obesity is not only a chronic disease that 36.4% of Iowans currently live with, but also a significant economic challenge that affects nearly everyone, according to findings from a new study by Global Data PLC. The Obesity Impact in Iowa's Economy and Labor Force Report found that for 2022, excess weight and obesity reduced economic activity in Iowa by $5.7 billion, which is equivalent to 2.5% of the state's 2022 gross domestic product. The effect on the state budget was $725 million, which is equal to 5.9% of 2022 fiscal year revenues, with state tax revenues lowered by $449.2 million in state costs for Medicaid, public assistance, and state government health insurance, increasing by $275.8 million. Additionally, $415 million was attributed to health-related absenteeism and disability costs due to obesity or excess weight. A body mass index commonly called BMI, over 25 is considered overweight and over 30 is obese, according to the World Health Organization. Body mass index is a person's weight in kilograms divided by the square of height in meters. Nationally, 41.9% of adults have obesity, according to the 20th Annual State of Obesity Report by the Trust for America's Health, Black and Latino adults have the highest obesity rates of 49.9% and 45.6%, respectively. Nearly 20% of children and adolescents between the ages of 2 and 19 have obesity, according to the 2017-20 through 20 National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey data. J. Nadine Gracia president and CEO of Trust for America Health, said in a prepared statement, It's critical to recognize that obesity is a multi-factor disease involving much more than individual behavior. In order to stem the decades-long trend of increasing obesity rates, we have to acknowledge that the obesity crisis is rooted 
and economic, health, and environmental inequities, ensuring all people and communities have equitable opportunity and access to healthy food and physical activity is fundamental to addressing this crisis. Since TFAH's first report in 2004, the national adult obesity rate has increased by 37%, and the national youth obesity rate has increased by 42%. Iowa is one of 21 states with an obesity rate over 35%. Tim Dahl, who's the Executive Director of Life Sciences for Global Data PLC and the leader of the Obesity's Impact on Iowa's Economy and Labor Force Study, said, Obesity is somewhat like a tax that society keeps paying year after year after year, and many people might say it's too expensive to treat obesity. I think one thing our study shows that it's expensive not to treat obesity. The Iowa report estimated that 31,400 fewer adults were in the workforce as a result of having obesity or excess weight, and that women with obesity experienced 9% reduced earnings compared to no reduced earnings for men with obesity. Dull said, I think we were surprised at how many fewer adults are in the workforce because of obesity, and especially at a time when there's high demand for labor. In some industries, there are shortages of workers, and we really need everyone who's willing to work. We need them in the workforce. We estimate about 5,500 premature deaths occur annually. Now, many of these people would have been older, not necessarily in the workforce, but if you look at over the past several years, People who have died, a number of them would still have been working today if not for their premature death. People in their 50s, 60s, and people kind of in their prime productive and earning years. I think another really surprising factor was that obesity is associated with reduced earnings for employed women at 9%, but not for men. There was a study that we reviewed in the literature from South Korea, and they found women with obesity earned 9% less the identical number we had, but no effect for men. The estimates of increased health care costs associated with obesity and excess weight include $619 million for employers and $360 million for households with private insurance, $132.8 million in higher Medicaid costs to Iowa, which accounted for 8% of state Medicaid spending, and $1.1 billion in federal Medicare and Medicaid spending, which were excluded from the overall economic impact number for Iowa, to focus on state workforce and budget implications. Dull said, Without addressing obesity, we will continue to pay higher costs for health care. In addition, for people with obesity and their families, there are implications for their employment levels and their earnings, and that has a ripple effect on state tax collections, income taxes, sales taxes, business taxes. From the perspective of employers, they're paying more for health insurance for their employees, and also people with obesity are more likely to have more missed workdays per year being out sick. These are costs to the employer as well as to the employees. I guess one takeaway is that obesity is costing everyone money, even if you don't have obesity yourself, because that's less tax revenue that people are paying in just reduced economic activity altogether. Beyond the calculable cost of obesity, the chronic health condition also has led to reduced workforce productivity, stigma, bias, and discrimination in various aspects of life, including education, employment, health care, and relationships, 
health complications, diminished quality of life, and early mortality, and that's all according to the study. That study report outlines recommendations for state policymakers and employers to increase access to modernized and evidence-based obesity care. For state policymakers, the report recommends promoting insurance coverage for comprehensive obesity treatment that includes intensive behavioral counseling, nutrition support, pharmacotherapy, and bariatric surgery, expanding Medicaid coverage for obesity treatment, and investing in community-based programs and education campaigns. The report goes on to say that state policymakers can invest in community-based programs and infrastructure that serves as an adjunct to access to obesity treatment, ensuring individuals have access to healthy, affordable food and safe, affordable opportunities for being physically active. Education campaigns can increase awareness about the causes of and health risks associated with obesity and promote evidence-based obesity treatments. Investing in community health worker programs, for example, can be a cost-effective way to outreach, to provide outreach and support to address obesity among other underserved populations. For employers, the report recommends offering insurance coverage and wellness programs for obesity care at parity with other chronic diseases, fostering a culture of support and inclusion and providing education and resources. Employers can create a culture of support and inclusion that recognizes and accommodates the needs of employees with obesity. The report adds that this can involve implementing non-discriminatory policies, offering weight bias and stigma training, creating a supportive workplace environment that promotes healthy behaviors such as providing healthy food options, offering opportunities for physical activity, and providing reasonable workplace accommodations for individuals with obesity and related health conditions. One challenge that Dahl highlighted is some employers may not have as high of an incentive to invest in their employees' health due to higher turnover rates or simply might not be able to afford good care. In general, larger companies tend to have better benefits and be more engaged in something like this than, say, smaller companies that may be financially less likely to be able to afford good benefits for their people or industries or companies where there's just kind of high turnover of staff. In addition to the recommendations for state policymakers and employers, Dull said resources like the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and National Institute of Health offer suggestions for individuals that focus on increasing physical activity levels and gaining better control over diet. Diet recommendations range from altering the types of foods being eaten, like reducing the amount of processed foods being consumed, to reducing portion sizes. There are a lot of recommendations out there, Dahl said. The challenge is not very many people have access to the treatment, mostly because of cost. So even though there are lots of recommendations about who should receive care, a very small proportion are actually receiving that care. But there are many things that individuals can do, and for many people that might be successful, but not everyone can do it on their own, and there are a variety of reasons, many of which are clinical. The report also outlines the potential value of treating obesity in terms of health benefits and cost savings in health care expenditure, modeling scenarios of body weight loss up to 5%, 10%, 15%, 20%, and 25%. Over the next 10 years, maintaining a 5% loss of body weight could result in a 33% lower incidence of type 2 diabetes, 11% fewer heart attacks, 16% fewer strokes, and 2% reduction overall mortality, the study estimates.
Statewide, maintaining a 5% reduction of weight among Iowa adults with uh, obesity could save nearly $4 billion in medical costs over the next decade, according to the report. Potential savings will rise to $9 billion under the scenario of maintaining up to 25% reduction of weight, though many people with obesity will not require the full 25% weight loss to move out of the obesity range. And you're listening to this week's edition of the Business Record, the week of September 28th. Our thanks to the folks at Business Publications for providing a copy of the Business Record uh, to Iris so that we can read it for you. If you have any comments on this or any other Iris programs, please give us a call at 515-243-6833. And now back to the Business Record. Six Iowa institutions ranked in the Wall Street Journal's top 400 colleges. In the Wall Street Journal's 2024 College Pulse rankings, Drake University was ranked number 97, Iowa State number 145, the University of Iowa 160, Simpson College number 262, Grinnell College 266, Dort University number 342. Started in 2016, the Wall Street Journal's ranking of the top 400 universities in the country scores colleges based on student outcomes, learning environments, and diversity. The student outcomes category measures salary impact versus similar colleges, years to pay off net price, and graduation rate versus similar colleges. The ranking was developed in collaboration with College Pulse and Statista, uh, Statista, I'm sorry, It's designed to assist students and families in their search for the best value in higher education. Holmes Murphy announced that insurance industry veteran Tim Anders will serve as the president of programs for the company. In the new role, Anders will be responsible for formalizing existing programs and generating new opportunities for Holmes Murphy's managing general agent practice. Anders has more than 35 years of experience in underwriting new program development, program management, and leadership. He has worked at Ryan Specialty, Breckenridge Insurance, Zurich, and Atlantic Mutual. His addition to Holmes Murphy is intended to help the company expand its capabilities, tailor unique insurance solutions for its clients' needs through closer partnerships with their carrier partners and positively influence their impact on risk. Wesley Life, a Johnston-based senior service provider, received a $1.3 million award that will help support the construction of a new Meals on Wheels campus, ultimately reducing food insecurity among older Iowans and veterans. Sophia S. Ahmad, Vice President of Philanthropy for Wesley Life, announced the award this month, which was from the Administration for Community Living, also known as the ACL. The ACL is administered by the United States Department of Health and Human Services. The award will help to support the construction of a new Meals on Wheels campus designed to triple meal capacity for the thousands of nutritionally vulnerable older adults and military veterans who are served by the Wesley Life Nutrition Program. The federal award was set in motion in 2022 when Representative Cindy Axney, then representing Iowa's 3rd Congressional District, included the request as one of 15 community projects from the district that was recommended to the U.S. House Appropriations Committee. AARP State Director Brad Anderson, a tri-chair for the So Much More Than Meals campaign, said in a statement the funding was included in the 2022 Omnibus Appropriations Bill 
than allocated to the ACL for distribution in 2023. We are humbled and gratified to have received it on behalf of all the older Iowans who we hope to reach through our Meals on Wheels expansion. Ahmad also expressed gratitude for the award and for the volunteer campaign leaders who advocated that Wesley Life receive it. Ahmad said in a statement, when our new campus opens later this year, these dollars will have an immediate impact on food insecure Iowans. So much more than Meals Campaign, led by campaign tri-chairs Angela Connolly, the Polk County Supervisor Community Leader, and retired Des Moines City Council member Christine Hensley and Anderson, has raised more than $11 million to help fund the new Meals on Wheels campus, which will open later this year. And a column on the, in the business record called Event Spotlight, and this week we'll look at the Knoxville Airport holding its air show on September 30th. Uh, new airport manager aims to elevate aviation and make airport a pillar of the community. Sarah Dean of the business record wrote this story. Katie Shalver joined the Knoxville Municipal Airport as its manager six months ago, but her experience with aviation and flying began 20 years ago. Growing up in Las Vegas, she was fascinated by the Thunderbirds air shows and trained to be a pilot starting in high school. She has flown professionally for corporate companies and for the U.S. military in a civilian capacity. She moved to Iowa from Las Vegas with her husband, Kyle, who grew up near Knoxville. In her new role, uh, Shulver uh, is working to expand the airport's reach to develop interest in aviation careers among youth and add to Knoxville's sense of community. She said, my biggest role with being new at the airport is I want to be more of a pillar of the community. I don't want to be, if you're not a pilot, you can't be here. I want to show a movie projected on the hangar where families can come do stuff that's not really aviation related. On September 30th, the airport is hosting an all-day community event, including an air show performance and the 2023 Fly Iowa Fly-In, an annual event hosted by the Iowa Aviation Promotion Group to bring Iowa's pilots and aviation community together. Shover said that Fly Iowa is really a special because only one airport can do it and they don't do it every year. It's a unique opportunity because it's statewide. There are fly-ins monthly, but everybody flies to Fly Iowa. For an airport to have the opportunity, it showcases the airport and it showcases the city. Shulver said she is having employers like Weiler, other manufacturers, and the military represented at the event to help inspire youth and students to consider aviation and other skilled trades as career paths. One of her goals for the airport is to be a partner in making pilot training more accessible. The airport is currently training several students as pilots, but Shulver said given the higher expenses related to aviation, she is looking toward creating a model that is sustainable long term. The air show will be held all day Saturday, September 30th at the Knoxville Municipal Airport and is free and open to the public. The Fly Iowa Fly-In is from 1 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. and the air show performance is from 4.30 to 6 p.m. There's a rain date of October 1st. Shelver shares more about the Knoxville Airport and her goals uh, for herself and the airport. What type of activity is the Knoxville Airport currently used for? That was a question posed to her, and she replied, it's used primarily for general aviation, which is probably more hobby flying. And then we also have the skydivers here now, too, and all their sales tax goes back to Knoxville. They've brought a lot of people that are from outside Knoxville into Knoxville. They've had a tremendous impact, I think, on the city. 
with jumpers every weekend. It stimulates the adrenaline, the fun. Knoxville is predominantly known for the racetrack, the sprint car races, so this adds to that. In answer to the question, how do you want to grow its presence in a community in central Iowa, she responds, I want to grow from a flight school perspective because our heart and soul is general aviation. To have these kids to be able to completely change the trajectory of their entire life is important, and somebody has to do it. We have the wherewithal. We have the passion to do it. I did a career day at the local high school here a couple of months ago. These are kids who signed up for aviation. I asked how many kids know that there's an airport right down the street. Two kids. How many know that you can start your professional pilot career right here in Knoxville? Not a single one. That's important that kids know that. It's important that we are more. We have a stronger presence in the community. I want to do a big fundraiser for a local organization where people run the runway. There's a lot of fundraising opportunities that the airport can be utilized for to support our local community. We can be used more as a tool, more of an asset instead of a draw. And finally, the business record asked her, how do you think growing the airport's presence will affect Knoxville's economic development? She replied, airports will always tend to have a quite large economic impact in any community that they serve. Knoxville's economic impact is about $4 million a year. But if we grow the airport, grow hangar space, that would uh, grow corporate companies that could potentially move in here. You can't rejuvenate an airport without flying airplanes. That's another big thing is getting every airplane on the airport flying again. That does promote activity. It generates fuel cells. It generates taxes. Even from a hotel standpoint, we own a maintenance shop, and we have pilots who will fly in here and stay at the hotels. They're eating at our restaurants, drinking at our bars, or staying in our hotels. Growing the airport touches every part of the city and surrounding communities, too. And the regular feature of the business record is real estate moves, and Kathy Bolton of the business record... uh, authors this column and we'll start off with a former Urbandale movie theater property that has been bought by a Florida entity. An entity managed by a Florida-based fitness company has purchased property in Urbandale that previously was home to a nine-screen movie theater. The Cobblestone Cinemas, located at 8501 Hickman Road, closed in late October 2022. The property had been operated by AMC Theaters. Cadet 23 LLC, managed by Altamonte Springs, Florida-based Fitness Ventures, paid American Multi-Cinema $2.27 million for the property. Its uh, 6.3-acre parcel includes a one-story, 43,120-square-foot concrete block building constructed in 1988 and remodeled in 1994. The property is valued at $2.2 million. The Cobblestone Theater first opened in December 1994 with seating for about 1,500 people. The theater at the time was considered the largest movie house in the Des Moines area. This is according to an article in the Des Moines Register. Fitness Ventures, founded in 2016, is one of the fastest growing owners of the Crunch Fitness System. Fitness Ventures currently has 34 locations in nine states and is expanding into additional areas, according to its website. Efforts to reach a spokesperson for fitness ventures were unsuccessful. 
In other real estate transactions, Bryce and Ashley Lund paid the Arlene Mock Trust $1.1 million for 80 acres of farmland in north-central Polk County. The land is southeast of northwest 150th Avenue and about a quarter mile west of Boone Street. Uh, the transaction was recorded on September 18th. D.R. Horton, Iowa, LLC, paid Stubbs Development Incorporated $1.9 million for 30 residential lots in Canyon Landing, Plat 2, under development in northeast Ankeny. Marshall Properties, LLC, located in Ankeny, paid 1325 Pleasant View Drive, LLC, $975,000 for property at 1325 Pleasant View Drive in Des Moines. The property includes five duplexes. NC Ankeny LLC, based in Minnetonka, Minnesota, paid Consider Him LLC $2.9 million for property at 3004 Northwest 18th Street in Ankeny. The 1.4-acre parcel includes 12,182-square-foot building constructed in 2014. The structure currently houses a daycare center, and the property is valued at $2.4 million. USA Properties, LLC, located in Des Moines, paid BBT Rentals $3 million for 20 residential properties in Des Moines. USA Properties also paid GBD, LLC, $1.1 million for six residential properties. In Dallas County, KRK Properties of Dubuque, located in Dubuque, located in Dubuque paid Glenwood Equities point. Uh, $54 million for property at 1000 South Main Street in Woodward. The 1.3-acre parcel includes a 10,640-square-foot retail building that was constructed in 2022. That property is valued at $842,150. And finally, in real estate news, Iowa Equity Exchange uh, LLC and IPI, both based in Des Moines, acquired 175 acres of farmland northwest of Granger for $4.45 million. The land is located south of 180th Place and east of Wendover Avenue. The property has been owned by William and Eileen Eimers, Keith and Margaret Basney, Bridget and Daniel Manning, and Jeffrey and Jennifer Manu, uh, Manning. The transaction was recorded on September 21st. Three Iowans were recently recognized at the American Institute of Architects Iowa Chapters Annual Award Celebration. They include Anna Squire of MA Architecture, who received the 2023 Iowa Young Architect Award that recognizes an individual who has shown exceptional leadership and made significant contributions to the profession in the areas of design, education, and or service in the early stages of their architectural career. Mitchell Squire of Iowa State University, who received the 2023 Iowa Educator Award, recognizes a person of esteemed character who has rendered distinguished service to the profession of architecture, art to the arts, and science within the state. And finally, Lynn Betchler of M2B, M2B Structural Engineers, who received the 2023 Iowa Honorary Membership Award that recognizes a person who is otherwise ineligible for membership in the Institute or the chapter, but has rendered distinguished service to the profession of architecture, art to the arts and sciences, allied within the domain of the chapter. 
Catch Des Moines honors local businesses and individuals with awards. Catch Des Moines honored area businesses and people with awards for success in attracting visitors to the Metro Leisure Travel Marketing Conventions, Sports, and Services during the 2023 Catch Des Moines Annual Celebration last week. Matt Winger, Program Specialist in the Department of Animal Science at Iowa State University, was named Catch Des Moines Champion for helping bring more visitors to Greater Des Moines. Winners of the Visitor Choice Awards determined by online visitor vote included the Iowa State Fair, Hotel Fort Des Moines, and Central. Other award winners included Drake Athletics Community Champion Award, West Bank Corporate Champion, Capital City Fruit Partners Champion, Mid-American Energy Recplex Game Changer Award, and Polk County Supervisor Angela Connolly Tourism Champion. The Iowa Department of Education announced that the state received more than $25.8 million in a competitive grant from the U.S. Department of Education to increase the number of students from low-income backgrounds who are prepared to enter and succeed in post-secondary education. The Federal Gaining Early Awareness and Readiness for Undergraduates Program, commonly referred to as GEAR UP, provides competitive matching grants to states and partnerships working with high-need middle and high schools. The program provides a variety of services aimed at preparing students and families academically, financially, and inspirationally to enroll and succeed in college and other post-secondary education pathways. Iowa's grant will provide funding and support to 13 Iowa school districts over a seven-year period. This is the third competitive Gear Up grant awarded, award that the state has received. Mackenzie Snow, the director of the Iowa Department of Education, said this in a press release, We are grateful for this federal investment in our work to provide 7,500 students most in need of support with critical wraparound services as they meet high expectations in middle school and beyond. Hy-Vee Incorporated awarded $50,000 to minority and women-owned businesses during the Hy-Vee Opportunity Inclusive Business Summit at the University Club in downtown Moline. During the pitch competition, 14 companies from across the Midwest presented to a panel of judges for the chance to win a small business grant from Hy-Vee. A Hy-Vee committee selected the participating companies for more than 70 applications. Joy Hankins, founder of the Joy of Curls in Des Moines, received the grand prize award of $30,000. Allison Strickland, the founder of AT Study Buddy in North Liberty, received $5,000, replacing first in the innovation and technology category. Sensel Studios in Des Moines and Desserts by Design in Atuma also received cash prizes for their businesses. In our final story this week from the business record, the Iowa Bankers Association presented Dave Nelson, West Bank Chairman and CEO, with the 2023 James A. Leach Leadership Award last week there in the Iowa Bankers Association Annual Convention at Veterans Memorial Auditorium in Des Moines. Nelson, who has worked in the banking industry for 39 years, has been the CEO of West Des Moines-based West Bank for the past 13 years. Before joining West Bank in 2010, he gained more than 25 years of banking experience in commercial banking, credit administration, and relationship building. Nelson is also a member of the American Bankers Association Board of Directors and serves as chairman of the Iowa Bankers Association in 2016-17. The Iowa Bankers Association created the Leach Award in 2000 following Leach's term as chairman of the U.S. House Banking Committee. 
The award recognizes an Iowa banker who, like Leach, has made significant lifelong contributions to how Iowa banks serve Iowa communities, according to a press release. And you've been listening to the business record on IRIS, the Iowa radio reading information service for the blind and print handicap. I'm Pat Steele. It's been a pleasure to read for you, and thank you for sharing your time with IRIS. IRIS.